Good evening. This evening's reading is taken from 2 Peter, and it's the whole of chapter 3. And that can be found on page 1,223 and 1,224 of the Church Bibles. That's 2 Peter, chapter 3, starting at verse 1. Dear friends, this is now my second letter to you. I have written both of them as reminders to stimulate you to wholesome thinking. I want you to recall the words spoken in the past by the holy prophets and the command given by our Lord and Saviour through your apostles. Above all, you must understand that in the last days, scoffers will come, scoffing and following their own evil desires. They will say, where is this coming, he promised. Ever since our ancestors died, everything goes on as it has since the beginning of creation. But they deliberately forget that long ago, by God's word, the heavens came into being and the earth was formed out of water and by water. By these waters also, the world at that time was deluged and destroyed. By the same word, the present heavens and earth are reserved for fire, being kept for the day of judgment and destruction of the ungodly. But do not forget this one thing, dear friends. With the Lord, a day is like a thousand years, and a thousand years are like a day. The Lord is not slow in keeping his promise, as some understand slowness. Instead, he is patient with you, not wanting anyone to perish, but everyone to come to repentance. But the day of the Lord will come like a thief. The heavens will disappear with a roar. The elements will be destroyed by fire and the earth and everything done in it will be laid bare. Since everything will be destroyed in this way, what kind of people ought you to be? You ought to live holy and godly lives as you look forward to the day of God and speed its coming. That day will bring about the destruction of the heavens by fire, and the elements will melt in the heat. But in keeping with his promise, we are looking forward to a new heaven and a new earth where righteousness dwells. So then, dear friends, since you are looking forward to this, make every effort to be found spotless, blameless, and at peace with him. Bear in mind that our Lord's patience means salvation, just as our dear brother Paul also wrote to you with the wisdom that God gave him. He writes the same way in all his letters, speaking in them of these matters. His letters contain some things that are hard to understand, which ignorant and unstable people distort, as they do the other scriptures, to their own destruction. Therefore, dear friends, since you have been forewarned, be on your guard so that you may not be carried away by the error of the lawless and fall from your secure position, but grow in grace and knowledge of our Lord and Saviour Jesus Christ. To him be glory both now and forever. Amen. Wow, there's a lot of people here tonight. I think uh, Dave said that. It's true. Great. Um, that's not the kind of thing you hear on mainstream media, is it? That the Lord is coming again and, and, and the Bible's description of the end of the earth as we know it. In some ways, it's quite a terrifying thought. It, it doesn't slowly come to a gradual end. It comes to a, 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 a violent end. And that's what the Bible teaches consistently. And that's what we need to keep at the backs of our minds as we look at verses 11 to to the end of the chapter when the apostle Peter says to his readers, since these things are going to happen, 
what kind of people ought you to be? What kind of lives ought you to be living? And, and we are the Lord's disciples. We are being written to by the Apostle Peter, albeit 2,000 years or more later on. These words are for all of God's people, and we are to, to take them to heart and to listen to, as he describes, what kind of people we ought to be. So let's pray. Our Heavenly Father, we thank you that though these words sound strange to our 21st century ears, they're truth. And maybe they sound quite uncomfortable to our ears that like to hear comfortable things. Yet, Lord, we pray that by your Spirit we might not be frightened or that we might not be so scared that we can't hear, but we pray that you would speak to us in the light of these things, that we might be the kind of people that you want us to be. Because as we've been singing, we, we give ourselves to you, we, we abandon ourselves to you as, a, as our worship, as our praise, as our thanksgiving, because you have saved us, because you have bought us with the precious blood of Christ. So we pray that by your Spirit, you would speak to us this evening. Amen. Amen. So verses 11 through to the end of the chapter, we're going to be looking at this evening. And just as an introduction about 2 Peter, 2 Peter is is very near the back of our Bible. It's easy to miss. It's two and a half pages long. It's very short. And Peter wrote it to encourage his readers, to warn them, to remind them, to live lives that please God. Now, those of us that are believers here this evening, I hope that's your desire. My desire is to live, to please God. So here is some really good practical advice that we can put into our lives, wherever our lives might be, whatever we might be doing, whether we're young or whether we're old, we can do things, live these things out that please the Lord, that bring honour to him. As was so often the case in the New Testament times and continues to be, false teachers were causing havoc amongst the believers. They'd been sowing seeds of doubt about the return of Christ. And the New Testament believers lived in a a kind of readiness that they were taught to be ready for when the Lord comes and, and they were expecting the Lord to come. Hence the Thessalonians, on the bit on the, on the lazy side, some of them had given up work because they expected the Lord to come at any time. And, and what these false teachers are saying is, as we'll see later on, eh, he hasn't come yet. Where is this coming that, that has been promised? And they kind of sowed seeds of doubt. And we're, we're, you know, two millennia later on, and we might be, well, where, where is this coming that he promised? It is coming. And I think that was the burden of my heart this evening, that the Lord is coming. He is coming. And we need to be ready for that. We need to ready ourselves in our understanding of what it might be like. And we need to ready ourselves that when he does come, we won't be ashamed. Because we needn't be. We can lift up our heads and say, the Lord's coming. This is what we've been longing for. This is what we've been hoping for. So there's some good things. And Peter reminds them of the complete reliability of scriptures. Where do we get the evidence from this from? The scriptures. The prophets, the Old Testament prophets, the New Testament apostles, and the Lord himself. This is going to be your your guidance, because you won't get it from mainstream media. I don't know what mainstream media was back in New Testament times, but we don't hear it on Sky News or BBC, do we, that we need to be ready for when the Lord comes. 
Again, two and a half pages. It's very short. It's worth a read. Maybe when you get home, you think, I'll read this letter. A friend of mine knew that I was preaching on this um, this evening, and he went away and said, well, I'll, I'll be praying for you, Phil. And he, he read through to Peter very quickly, two and a half pages. And he said, boy, that is powerful stuff. It, it, it affected him. He said, if this is true, then I, just meet, I need to make some readjustments in my life. And, and that's what Peter is saying. And hopefully, with God's spirit, that's what is being said to us. So chapter 3 is a window into the return of Christ and how we, as Christians, should be living. So verse 11, we'll start at verse 11, and it kind of divides itself up quite nicely. So, so we'll go through the passage, and then if I have time, I've got a nice um, countdown at the back. Thank you very much, Matt, wherever you are. That's great. I can see how long I've been preaching for. So we'll go through the passage, and then we'll seek to apply it to us. So how does this apply to us? So verse 11, if you've got a Bible there, open it up and see it. Peter reasons, since everything will be destroyed in this way, and that's referring back to verse 10, the day of the Lord will come like a thief, suddenly, unexpectedly, the heavens will disappear with a roar, the elements will be destroyed by fire, and the earth and everything done in it will be laid bare. It's catastrophic. And the Bible, it's not just this tiny little verse here that speaks about that. The Bible as a whole reveals that the end of the world is going to be a violent one. The Bible teaches that, that, that the world has a beginning, it was created, and it has an end which is always referred to as destruction. The Bible's view of, of, of life is linear. It's not circular or anything like the world just goes on and on like a circle. That probably is the modern world's view. Life just goes on. Round and round and round it goes, without a beginning, without an end. The Bible does not teach that. The Bible teaches that it was created by God and for God, and the Bible teaches that God himself will end the world as we know it. There's going to be no gradual improvement of mankind into greater peace, prosperity, and pleasure for all. That's the kind of current world thinking, isn't it, that, we, that we're in. This is the, the sea of worldliness that we're in. We're getting better. Through negotiation, through whatever it might be, we're all going to get on. There's going to be world peace. Through the United Nations or whatever, there's going to be prosperity as nations club together and share what they've got. And there's going to be pleasure for all because we're going to have everything working for us and together. It hasn't worked out in two millennia, has it? We're so clever with all that technology, but we have war on our doorstep. And people killing one another in the most brutal of ways still. We're not very clever, the human race. And the Bible teaches that that won't happen, that we will not gradually get better and improve. The Bible speaks of a destruction of all things, of a judgment by God. And as God is the author of creation, so God is the author of its destruction. Mankind will not end this world through pollution or whatever it might be. It's God that ends the world in judgment, righteous judgment. Following that utter destruction comes a, a recreation of a new heavens and a new earth, something that is un entirely wonderful, something that we as believers have a kind of seed of in our hearts. We can't quite grasp it, we can't quite see it, but we kind of just know that we're heading for something that is just glorious, because glorious it will be. And that's what is taught in the scriptures, but the Spirit of God witnesses that in our hearts too. We're heading for something 
wonderful, beyond our wildest dreams, beyond something that we can even understand. Paul in, had a little peek into that, and he said, it was just so good, I can't just put it, I can't, I, not allowed to say what it was like. So there is going to be a recreation of new heavens and new earth, a home for those who by faith in Christ have escaped the wrath of God. So in the light of that truth, Peter asks a question to his readers. We're still on verse 11. What kind of people ought you to be? What kind of people ought we to be? And he seeks to answer that question in the following verses. It says there in verse 11, you ought to live holy and godly lives as you look forward to the day of God. This day of God, this day of judgment should be in our minds constantly. We're looking forward to it. We're, we're excited about it. Yes, there's a degree of trepidation, but there's an excitement. We're going to enjoy this new heaven and a new earth where Christ reigns and rules. There is going to be peace and, and a prosperity, but not a materialistic prosperity, but a prosperity that is, that is truly worth so Peter says to the people, you, you should live holy and godly lives as you look forward to the day of God and speed its coming. So what does holy mean? Holy means set apart. It means a life lived for God. Christians, that's what we're called to do, aren't we? To set our lives apart for God. We, we surrender ourselves for him to use. We look at the scriptures, Lord, what do you want me to do? I want to live my life for you. Young people, early on, live your life for God. Devote yourself to God. Don't put it off until you're old and think, I'm going to have a good time first. Serving God is the best time ever. So a holy life is a, a life set apart for God. A godly life is, is a, life, a life lived like God, like the Lord Jesus Christ. He's the example. A godly life is one that resembles God. It's God-like, and we are called to do that. We are called to be God-like in, in our living. And you think, oh, that, that's, that's a high call. It's a, it's a near-on impossibility. Don't you know me? That's why the Holy Spirit is given to us, to make us holy. It is a gradual thing. It's called sanctification. We're growing to be like God. We are made righteous the day we are born again, but we grow in, in that day-to-day -day righteousness as the Spirit helps us. So don't give up thinking, I'm just, I hope, you know, a lost cause. I've been trying for, for donkey's years. God is always at work, and God is working in us. His likeness, that's what he does. And one day, we shall, like David, awake in his likeness. That's our hope. So holy and godly, I, I like terms, they're, they're, they're plural. So a whole of our lives should be kind of fitted into these two terms, holy and godly. So what kind of people ought we to be? We ought to be holy and godly. Maybe some of you youngsters say, well, what, why? What's the point? What, why should I be holy and godly? And verse 13 explains that. Verse 13. But in keeping with his promise, we are looking forward to a new heaven and a new earth where righteousness dwells. We're, because we're heading for that glorious future where righteousness, and that, that's the working out of holiness and godliness, dwells. We're getting ready. We're getting ready for that, that, that new heaven and that new earth. We're, we're, we're stretching our spiritual wings. We're, we're beginning to be like what we're going to be forever. 
part of our eternal life is, is beginning to blossom now. We're, we're beginning to look like what we're going to be in the future. So, so that's why we should head towards it. We're getting ready for that great and that glorious day. In keeping with his promise, we are looking forward to a new heaven and earth. And, and that means we're, we're, we're getting ready. We're, we're making ourselves ready for that day. What does that lead us to? That, that leads us to, to live in the light of Christ's return. That's the next few verses, verses 14 and 16. This, this certain hope that we need to keep at the forefront of our minds, this thing Peter is saying to them, don't forget this, remember this, keep it in your head, that the Lord is coming. So we're living in the light of Christ's return, and this certain hope of a recreated heaven and earth it is a real spur to, to the hard-pressed believer, because life is hard, life is tough. Life sometimes, even in a, a church like this, if you ask people, well, what's life like at the moment? Some will be saying, great, I had the best time of my life. And there will be others who are saying, I have never known such despair, such sorrow. We're all believers. We're all, as, as with family, we're talking about family. This evening, within any, any family, there is joy. There is despair, there is sorrow, there is gladness. And this, this, this focus, this promise keeps us together. We, we need to keep that in mind, this certain hope that will not be destroyed, that, that is, is certain because it's promised. So we have a life to live right now, and it's to be a heavenly kind of life. And, and Peter says, make every effort to be found spotless and blameless and at peace with God. The false teachers were saying, where is this coming, he promised. They were spreading doubt. They were promoting an unholy, an ungodly, a worldly kind of lifestyle. It calls it lawless. They were blots and blemishes. They were scoffing about the coming. They were going, you don't want to believe that. That's a load of old rubbish. They were scoffing at truth. And as, as the faithful believers, they were being unsettled. They were leading some astray into their teaching, into their wrong living. And I think every church pastor is, is seeking to keep his flock within this, this holiness and godliness, because we know that they're safe. Their God's sheep are safe in his pasture. So why hasn't the Lord returned? He promised he would. Why is it taking so long? Why is it for these believers? They had no idea that 2,000 years later on or more, there would be a congregation in Hove listening to these very words, saying he still hasn't come yet. So why hasn't the Lord returned? He said he would. He promised he would. And the apostles and prophets, they said he would. So why the long delay? And the answer is here. The Lord is patient not wanting anyone to perish, but everyone to come to repentance. And it's just not me saying these things, says Paul, says um, Peter. The Apostle Paul says exactly the same thing in all of his letters. The Lord is patient. The Lord is merciful, not wanting any to perish, but all to come to repentance. And repentance is the first step of following Christ, isn't it? It's that if what the Holy Spirit convicts us of our sin and we come to him and we're sorry. And the Lord says he wants them to come to repentance. And maybe there's somebody here this evening, maybe there's somebody listening online and God has been speaking to you and you've just been putting off that coming to repentance and turning to him. God is being patient, but he won't be patient forever. Don't try God's patience. 
Why not just go with it? Thank you, Lord, for being patient with me. He is incredibly patient. He is, impa- he is patient with, with us as believers. When we, we just don't get things right, we can all, I'm sure, give testimony to God's patience with us, his graciousness, his mercy, and we thank him. God is being patient. That's why he hasn't come yet. It gives us an opportunity to preach and to, to welcome people in. And what, what Peter says here, the Apostle Paul says exactly the same things in all his letters. The Apostles were, were um, united in their witness and their teaching on the return of Christ and the judgment of God. And, and notice here in, um, in this verse how Peter places Paul's teaching on an equal authority with the other scriptures. And Peter says very helpfully, yes, he does say some things that are hard to understand, And when we plough our way through the scriptures, those of us that preach, they're really hard to understand. And we pray, Lord, I don't understand this. Even Peter himself, if you look through 1 Peter and bit of 2 Peter, there's some bits that are quite hard to understand. Trying to get your head around the, the intricate arguments in Romans, that's really hard to understand. But we need to make every effort to understand them and ask for the Spirit's help. So false teachers have, and still do, distort the teachings of Paul to their own destruction. It says that in verse 16. But we need to seek God's help in making every effort to understand them. And he will help us. Sometimes you get a bit of light. Maybe you've discovered that in your in your studies of the Scripture. I don't understand that. I don't understand that. And then, bang, light comes. and I understand that now. That's been my experience in, in a, lot of, a lot of things. And it, maybe, maybe for some of you, this, this, this teaching about the Lord's return, that you've almost like, ah, I don't want to face that. And then all of a sudden, the clarity comes, he is going to come. And the witness in your heart said, he is going to come. And then that call, then I better make myself ready for when he does, because there is no, no clearly detailed timetable of when he does come. The teaching is we must be ready. How can we be ready? This brings us to verse 17. We're coming to the end of the passage. And that's keeping watch and while waiting for Christ's return. So it's a long wait. Do we put our feet up and relax and get the beer out and say, well, he'll come when he comes. Do you know what? I'm just going to eat, drink, and be merry. No. Peter says, be on your guard. Watch out that you are not deceived and carried away by the error of these lawless false teachers and deception i think has has followed christianity right the way down through the centuries it's easy to be deceived that's why we need to know the scriptures to keep us from being deceived by false teachers they rob us they will never rob us if we're true believers of our salvation but they'll rob us of our joy they'll rob us of our expectation of the lord's return they'll rob us of all kinds of things but they will never rob us of our salvation because that's in Christ who is in heaven. That is secure. So don't be deceived, Peter says. Keep watch. Be on your guard. So what can be done to, to, to keep us from being deceived and carried away? Verse 18, the final verse, brings that to us. The answer is there. The goal of life while waiting for Christ's return is clearly spelled out in verse 18. But grow in the grace and knowledge of our Lord and Saviour, Jesus Christ. Grow in the grace and knowledge of our Lord Jesus Christ. Lord, what do you want me to do with my life? Grow in the grace 
and knowledge of the Lord Jesus Christ. You can pray that as a teenager. You can pray that as a child. You can pray that as a 99 or 102 year old. Lord, what do you want me to do to grow in the grace and knowledge of the Lord, our Lord and Saviour, Jesus Christ? That's what God wants us to do, to get to know the Lord through fellowship and communion with him and to get to know about him by study, diligent study of the Bible, coming to church, listening to the sermons, knowing the truth that will guard us from error. It's a given knowledge that comes from God, and it's a gained knowledge by our seeking to find out these things. So what's he got to say to us? <laughs> Are you still with me? Yes, good. What's he got to say to us? Does it matter? Is it important? Yeah, I really do believe it is, because there are such joys to be had in the Christian life. And I think, in many ways, there, there has been a robbery, because we kind of lost sight of this coming of Christ. It, we don't hear much about it, do we, at church? Yes, we, we touch it occasionally. Yet for these believers, it was a real, every week, every time, they thought, the Lord is coming. The Lord is coming. They were expecting, they were awaiting it. Are you ready? Yes. So I think we need, in some ways, to get back to that. Are we ready for the Lord's return? The Lord Jesus is returning. Maybe this is news to some of you. The Lord Jesus Christ is returning. I can say that quite confidently because that's what the scripture teaches right the way through. The Lord Jesus Christ is coming back. Are we ready? Are we waiting for that day? Are we looking forward to it? Or do we kind of dread it? don't know. Are we? Then pray, Lord, I'm dreading it. Be honest in your prayers. Lord, I'm I've heard about this tonight. Sounds scary. I'm dreading it a bit. Can you turn my heart around so that I'm looking forward to it? Because he wants us to. Because he is coming. And he is the object of our love and our desire. The Lord Jesus Christ. When we see him, we shall be like him. And surely that's the answer to all our prayers. Is our hope fixed on that day and the glory that follows? Does our living show that we're ready and waiting? Are we being holy and godly? in our lives. I'm not out to bash you. I'm out to, to inspire you, to, 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 to urge you along to, to seek these things because they bring with such treasures with them. This present life is a passing life. It's a temporary life. We think it's, this is it. This is life. It's not. This is, this is a journey that we're passing through. This, the Bible teaches all the time that we're, we're aliens, we're strangers, we're passing through. We're heading towards something else. So let's use this life that we're passing through not to grab everything that we can and to amass as much as we possibly can, but let's use this life to serve God, to love others, to be part of the family that he wants us to be. Let's make use of the opportunities that, that come our way. Yeah, let's build our homes, let's build our families, let's build our businesses well to the glory of God in a holy and godly way. Let's do those things. But always realise they're only temporary. They're going to go. God is going to take them from us at some stage or another. When he takes our life, everything goes. We take nothing with us. And it's the same when this, when this world is destroyed, everything will go. It will be burnt up. All that we've worked for and everything. There is a sadness. There is a melancholy about that. But then we have the new heaven and earth that we've been working towards, that we've been investing in, in this life through our holy and godly living in all the ways. Then we, then we receive the rewards for our investment. And it's, it's a good investment. So let's store up treasure in heaven by living in a way, by growing in grace and knowledge. And let's enjoy God now 
We're going to enjoy him forever. Lord, say, I don't really enjoy you very much. Then let the Lord teach you how you can enjoy him. That's, that, that's our, our desire, to enjoy God, to glorify him. That's what we're meant to be doing. We do need to be on our guard against false teaching. That's an important thing. This, don't be um, naive thinking that there aren't false teachers. All that glitters is not gold. There's a lot that comes in the name of Christ. If you read church history, people go off beam all the time. And you hear of various new things coming along, and they're not new very often. They sound great. They're often very much focused on, on our desires within our, what fleshly desires we'd say for, for, for prosperity, for fame, for whatever it might be, which are curses in themselves in many ways. That we, we, we can easily be led astray. Stay within the family. Those of you that have got teenagers, when, when, when they begin to fly the nest, it's a frightening time for parents because you kind of have to let them fly the nest, but it's a big bad world out there and they don't know that yet. And the same for believers too. It is a big bad world out there. The, 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 the forces that we're fighting against, they're not just nasty men and women. They're spiritual forces in the heavenly realms. They're satanic. They're out to ruin, to wreck, to mar. These are, yeah, again, you never hear these things on the news, but that's the truth they are. So stay within the fold of the family. That's, that's, that's the, the lesson, isn't it? Stay within the fold. And, and finally, we should be on guard. Always be on guard. That's the kind of people that we should be. God will help us to do these things. We're not on our own. I will help you. I will teach you and instruct you in the way that you should go. God will help us to do all of these things because they're his will. What I'm speaking of this evening is, is God's will, is God's purpose for our lives. In the Christian life, youngsters particularly, it's a really exciting life. You wish you could somehow just kind of open up your heart and say, just have a look. It really is good. I've done some of the other things that promise excitement. But do you know what? They, they don't compare. The Christian life is an exciting life. God is leading us. God is guiding us. God is directing us. We don't know what we're going to do. And it's really exciting when we place our lives in God's hands. We can do anything through Christ who strengthens us and he calls us. And many people here will, will testify, yeah, I put my, 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 my life into God's hands when I was a youngster. I got no idea what he got in store for me at all. My life has been an exciting, a challenging life. A difficult life at times, and sometimes are beyond our ability to endure life. A walking on the water type of life that we need to say, wow, this is, I just, I, I, help, Lord. And he does, he's there, he's with us. So, and a life that has no end, a life that goes on, that the eternal life that we're putting into practice now, that we're investing in now, will never end. As, as Peter said, Peter in chapter 1 says to these people, I'm about to die. The Lord has revealed to me that I'm going to die soon. And I'm, I'm going to lay aside this body of, uh, uh, this, he calls, this tent of my body. And I'm going to depart and be with Christ. Peter was going to live forever. His spirit would leave and go to be with Christ. This same body, somehow, in some way, that he's laid aside, this tent, will then rise one day. We've been speaking about, I believe, in the resurrection. This body will rise. We'll have a glorified body and, and spirit together. That's part of the new heaven and the new earth that we're looking forward to. Will it happen? 
absolutely, without a doubt, because he has promised. Absolutely certain, absolutely sure. <laughs> Let's pray together. Heavenly Father, we've been stretching our faith this evening. We've been stretching our, our, our minds towards things that are beyond our comprehension. Only your spirit can make these things real and um, valid to us. And we pray that drip by drip or maybe by a, a mighty um, clear vision you would show to us what our future is that we might with that future in mind head towards it heads held high trusting in you living holy and godly lives because we know that what awaits us even through those difficult times those end times there awaits us a new heaven and a new earth where righteousness dwells where you are and where we shall one day live forever Grace and peace be yours in abundance through the knowledge of God and through Jesus Christ, our Lord. Amen.